Welcome to Hooked on Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Today I'm going to introduce you to a story called I Know You Remember by Jennifer, Jennifer Donaldson. She's the writer that has also done One of Us is Lying and Gone Girls. So if you like either one of those, you will enjoy this mystery. Zara Gaines is missing. After three long years away, Ruthie Hayden arrives in her hometown of Anchorage, Alaska to this devastating news. Zara was Ruthie's best friend, the only person who ever really understood her, and she vows to do whatever it takes to find her. Zara vanished from a party just days before Ruthie's returns, but the more people she talks to, the more she realizes that Zara she knew disappeared long before that fateful night. Gone in this whimsical, artistic girl who loved books and knew Ruthie's every secret. In her place is an athlete, a partier, a girl with secrets of her own. Darker still are the rumors that something happened to Zaria while Ruthie was gone, something that changed her forever. So I'm going to read you a section from chapter one. The urn is smaller than I expected. It's green, her favorite color, and made of aluminum. And even though it's less than a foot tall, it's heavy, dense with her ashes, with her body with my mother broken down into a million crumbling pieces. It sits on a small altar at the front of the little chapel and I can't take my eyes away from it. Even with the funeral director standing at the lectern, reading some poem I'm sure I okayed in the meeting we had a few days ago, even with the sound of weeping behind me, the urn takes up all my vision, soaks up all the light in the room. The dark, the green is dark, the same color as the Douglas fir she loved. The color of the mossy stones in the shadows and the and of the Columbia River Gorge. I thought she I thought the thought makes me close my eyes tight. It's been a week since the accident. My body isn't a body anymore. It's a machine that I have operated through force of will, pulling levers with all my might. It, I'm somewhere inside of it, tiny and exhausted. I have to shout to be heard from in here, and so sometimes it's easier not to speak at all. Sometimes it's easier to close my eyes and sit in stiffness. But everyone seems to want something from me, so I keep having to guide my machine body through emotions. For instance, next to me, I feel Anna Maria putting her hand on mine. She's my caseworker. She's nice enough. I don't have any family in Portland besides my mom, so Anna Maria's been helping me make all the arrangements. She helped me set up the funeral, helped me make a reservation for the flight to Anchorage tomorrow night, helped me close out mom's accounts, her credit card, and the utilities, and the apartment lease. She's definitely one of those people that believes in meditation and support groups and grief counseling, and she's already given me a book called Present in Loss, Surviving the Death of a Loved One Through Mindfulness. And even though I feel numb and tired, I have to force my machine body to move yet again. 
so that she doesn't think I'm just the kind of monster who can sit here during your own mother's funeral and stare out into space. I open my eyes and I look down at my lap and let her take my hand. The room is packed, but there's only, that's only because it's such a high profile death. The woman from her office sit in a row just behind me, crying into their handkerchiefs. There are college kids in the crowd. Mom was well-liked registrar at Reed and a handful of schoolmates, though I'd hardly knew most of them. All around, I hear the quiet rustle of people shifting in their seats, craning their necks to get a glimpse of me or of the urn or of the blow-up photo of the easel at the front of the room that shows my mom smiling her dimpled smile. Even in the midst of all these people, all these well-wishers, all I want is to talk to Zara. But she's a world away, and I'm alone and surrounded. And now, Lori's daughter, Ruth, will play one of Lori's favorite songs for us, says the funeral director, nodding towards me. <laughs> I make my robot body get up and walk onto the dais. I don't look out into the crowd. My guitar is already set up next to a chair. I pick it up, hook the strap around my shoulder, and take a breath. Then I start to play. It's an old pop ballad from the 90s, and I'm playing an instrumental arrangement. I'm not a singer, but everyone recognizes it. I can see people moving, moving their lips to the unspoken words and the arms of an angel. Mom used to sing it off-key every time it came on the radio. I remember her in the little trailer when, where we moved after she left my dad, croning while she did the dishes. I remember rolling my eyes as Zaria as, as we breezed past her on the way to the room. The two of us laughing hysterically over every earnest, yearning face. I remember every part of the sun-drenched summer when I was 14, when my mom fluttered at the edge of my vision like a mildly irritating moth. When I ran free with Zaria, the two of us writing stories and roaming the woods, turning our jeans into cutoffs and eating mountains of candy. It feels like forever ago, even though it was just a little over three years. All I want to do is to go back that girl I was. She seems impossibly young, impossibly innocent. She takes so much for granted, she has no idea how much she stands to lose. The song comes to an end. I sit still for a moment, cradling the guitar. My machine body feels frozen, and I realize I'm not sure whether I get up and go back to my seat or not. Nobody moves. My eyes light on the urn again, and now there are more memories to deal with. My mom sipping from a bottle on a high promontory in the gorge. Below us stretches the river. Mountains bare their jagged teeth against the horizon. This is her favorite place. She is so peaceful. I want to stop there, but I can't. My muscles seize up now, my fingers curling anxiously around the guitar's necks because it happens again and again in my memory, and I can't stop it or change it, because it's done. The next moments come in choppy fragments. She takes a step. She's so close to me. If I'm fast enough, I can put out my hand to stabilize her and stop her from all of it happening. 
but I'm not, I'm not. Her foot swists and the water bottle flies from her hand out over the cliffside and my eyes follow it as it spins around and around into the vertical drop. And then I look back at mom. She's leaning backwards over the empty air. Her eyes are wide, so wild. And then she's gone. This is an excerpt from I Know You Can Remember. It is an ebook available on our Sora app.